Hello there. You're welcome to the Read Podcast. This season, we will be reading from the book Love the Way to Victory by Kenneth He Agin. I do pray that you learn as you enjoy this podcast. Remember that the blessing is in the application of the word. Come on, let's get into it. Page 158, Chapter 5 Keep your tongue so you can keep your life. We could read this verse like this. The eyes of the Lord are over those who do right. We could also read it like this. The eyes of the Lord are over those who walk in love. And his ears are open to their prayers. You see, there are no hindrances to your prayers when you are walking in the God kind of love. But the Bible says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Every step out of love is sin. We could also read this verse this way. The face of the Lord is against those who speak evil about others. How does a Christian sin? By not walking in love, by talking about others. We could put it this way. Every step out of love is doing evil. Love walketh no evil to his neighbor. Love refrains from speaking evil. Love, the God kind of love would never say anything bad about anyone. When you criticize others and speak evil about them, you are sinning because you're not walking in love. I remember an incident that happened years ago when I was just a young man and I was pastoring a little church in North Texas in a large metropolitan city about 45 miles away. One of the ministers got into some difficulty and was dismissed from his denomination. Later, during a sectional convention in our church, one of the district superintendents preached in the morning service and mentioned this situation. Although he didn't call the minister's name, we all knew who he was talking about. He condemned him and just preached him right into hell, so to speak. Well, some of the men who couldn't be in the morning service asked me about it later. They asked, Brother Hagen, what do you think about it? Was that minister right in what he said about the other minister? I said, yes, I concur with him. Well, about two weeks after, my wife's parents came down to visit us and they lived out on a farm about 40 miles away. My wife and two children went home with them after the Sunday night service. I was going to drive up there and join them after I attended some church businesses. So my wife and our children were gone and I was the only one left in the parsonage. I listened to the news on the radio. We didn't have a television back then. The parsonage was an old house that was built before indoor electricity was available. When it was wired for electricity, they just put a chain hanging right down in the middle of the room to turn the light on and off. When I was ready to go to bed, I reached up and turned off the light and knelt by the foot of the bed and prayed. Suddenly, the whole room lit up. The Bible talks about a light Paul saw that was brighter than the noonday sun. You can find this in Acts chapter 9 verse 3 and also Acts 22 verse 6. 
This light was bright like that. The whole room lit up, brighter than when the light was on. And I could see every piece of furniture. And then out of the bright light, I heard these words, Who art thou that condemneth another man's servant? I knew it was the Lord. I said, Lord, I didn't condemn your servant. I knew immediately who the Lord was referring to. He was talking about that minister who had gotten into trouble. The Lord answered me again saying, Who art thou that thou condemnest another man's servant? I repeated, Lord, I never condemned your servant. And the third time the Lord said, Who art thou that thou condemnest another man's servant? I said the third time, Lord, I didn't condemn your servant. The Lord said, didn't you say so and so? And then the Lord quoted what I had said about this minister. Well, you get in a situation like that and your flesh sometimes wants to take over. You remember when Adam got into trouble, he wanted to shift the blame to the woman. Then when that didn't work, he said, this woman which thou gavest me, Really, he was trying to blame everyone else so he wouldn't have to be responsible. The flesh always wants to blame someone else. I said, Lord, I was just quoting the district superintendent. The Lord said to me, when you repeated it, that was tantamount to saying it. Who art thou that thou condemnest another man's servant? When the Lord said that, he just sort of knocked the probes out from under me. So then I said, I thought the minister was wrong. I mean, didn't he do wrong? The Lord never told me whether he did do wrong or not. But he asked me a question. He said, whose servant is he, mine or yours? I said, if he's anyone's servant, Lord, he's yours. He sure isn't mine. The Lord said, well... If he is my servant, then I am able to make him stand. And you know, the Lord did just that. The Lord made the man stand. And that fellow went on to become the most outstanding minister in that part of the state. He was very well respected, even though he had missed it that one time in his past. Who are we to criticize the Lord's servant? Sometimes it's the things we say about people that cause us ill health. I had another experience along the same line. My wife and I held a meeting down East Texas in the Full Gospel Church. We were going from that meeting to a convention that our denomination was holding. One of the ministers in that part of the state had gotten into some difficulty. He had to leave the church. I asked someone, what did he do? And the person told me what the minister had done. Well, without thinking, I just said, it looks to me like anybody with any sense would know better than to do that. I never thought anything else about it. My wife and I closed that meeting and we went on our way to the convention. Now, ordinarily, I walk in divine health. I just feel good at all times. But during this convention, I just wasn't up to it physically. I couldn't sleep at night. Normally, by the time my head hits the pillow, I am asleep. I made all the right fake confessions, and I believed and received my healing. But I still didn't feel good physically. On the third night of the convention, I still couldn't sleep. I said, Lord, 
If I'm feeling like this tomorrow, I won't be able to go to the meetings. My body is about to give out. I got out of the bed and got on my knees and started praying. I remembered something Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman said. She was a medical doctor who at one time had become addicted to drugs. She became sick and really just went down to death's door. But then she got saved and God raised her up from the deathbed. She then spent the rest of her life preaching about divine healing. Dr. Yeoman said, If I pray and don't get results, I start changing. Why? Because there will have to be a change somewhere before the answer can come. And the change won't be with God because God never changes. I remember reading this statement by Dr. Yeoman, so I started changing. I've been making all the right biblical confessions and saying all the right things, but I still hadn't improved. Finally, I said to the Lord, Lord, what is wrong with me? I haven't made my faith connection with you. The Lord spoke to me and said, didn't you say so and so about brother so? And the Lord called the pastor's name. I said, Lord, all I said was it looks like anybody with any sense would have known better than to do that. The Lord asked me a question. He said, do you know what pressure he was under? I said, no. The Lord asked me, do you know the circumstance that surrounded that situation? I said, no. The Lord said to me, if you had been in the same position, you might not have done as well as he did. With tears, I said, Oh God, forgive me. My God, please, I repent. Do you know that as soon as I repented, I was instantly well. It didn't take me time to get healed. I was instantly made whole. I got into bed and slept soundly for the first time in several nights. You see, there's a principle here. We can't criticize and judge the other fellow because we don't know the circumstance and the pressure that that person may have been under that caused him to act as he did. We don't know who made him do what he did. Only the Lord knows. It's situations like this that taught me to keep my mouth shut about criticizing the Lord's servant. It is so easy to criticize other fellow, but we may not have done as well as they did under the same circumstance. The Bible says, Judge not that ye not be judged. You can find that in Matthew 7 verse 1. That's why we can't judge or will be judged by the Lord. There are some believers who are always criticizing others and spreading gossips. For example, someone once said to me, Did you hear what happened? That preacher had an affair with his secretary. He did? But it looks like God is really blessing him and his church. When did this happen? Oh, about 12 years ago. Then why are you talking about it now? That shouldn't be told about him. That is a lie the devil told on him because that man repented and got right with God. So that sin has been blotted out by the blood of Jesus. It is in the sea of forgetfulness. God forgot about it. And if you're going to walk in love, you've got to forget about it too and not go around talking about it. 
Did you ever read in the Bible where it said, And above all things, have fathered charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover multitudes of sin. 1 Peter 4 verse 8. It also says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covereth all sin. Proverbs 10 verse 12. Love is not out on covering sin. Love covers sin. I pastored nearly 12 years. I saw certain things about certain church members, but I never told anyone, not even my wife. Why? Because it may have damaged them. You may say, but they did wrong. But most of the times, those folks come to themselves and said, Dear Lord, how did I get into this? Lord, please forgive me. And they got right back out of it. But if I had gone and told it, then everyone would know. And every time they looked at the person, they would think about that. And then the devil would try to bring it into their remembrance too. No, love covers multitudes of sin. But so many times, people have a hard time forgiving and forgetting. For example, I was holding a crusade in a certain city when news broke out about a certain minister. Someone asked me what my thought was about it. He asked, what do you think about what happened to so and so? I just said, I have no comment. Oh, really? He said. Then I added, putting out the other fellow's candle never brightens your own. I'm not going to put out another person's candle. I'm going to try to light it if I can. Dear friends, if you want to walk with God, you got to walk in love because God is love. I remember once my wife and I held a meeting in our home church in McKinney, Texas. An older gentleman we knew named Brother Smith came to the meeting. As a young Baptist boy preacher, I had supplemented my income by working for him. Brother Smith told me after the service, Brother Kenneth, I always enjoy hearing you speak because you preach faith and healing. He said, you know, I haven't been sick for 40 years and I'll be 90 years old next month. 40 years ago, someone came to our church preaching about divine healing. The minister had those of us in the congregation come down front and accept Jesus as our physician, just like we accepted him as our savior. I marched down to the altar and accepted Jesus as both my savior and my physician. And now physically, I am just as good as a man at 90 as I was at 21 years of age. For one thing, I worked every day. He was quite wealthy and he didn't have to work at all. But he did then he said and after i had accepted christ as my savior i read in the bible where it says the very hairs of your head are all numbered matthew 10 verse 30. i said lord if you know how many hairs i have then you can keep my hair too then he added brother kenneth i also believe god could keep my teeth then he opened his mouth and showed me he didn't have one single feeling at 90 years old, he still had all his teeth. He continued, but I'll tell you one thing. I also pray that God will help me keep this. He stuck out his tongue. He said, I saw that if I was going to have divine health, I would have to keep this. When Brother Smith said that, I remembered an incident that had happened when I had worked for him before 
World War II. There was a fellow in town who was a World War I veteran. He had been gassed in the war and he would have spells where he would go crazy and start cutting people up with a knife. The whole town of about 9,000 people knew about his condition and sympathized with him because he was a veteran and he had been afflicted serving his country in the war. When he would get on one of those spells, the fellow would spend a night or so in jail. Then they would let him go out and then he would be alright for a while. Even those he had attacked wouldn't press charges against him because they knew what he had gone through in war. But one Sunday night, the chief of police was called to come over and get this fellow because none of the policemen could handle him. When that fellow would get drunk, the chief of the police could always talk him out of getting violent and take him to jail to, to sleep it off so he, could, so he could get over it. But this Sunday night, when the chief was called, the man wouldn't put his knife away. The poor fellow had suffered so much and his mind was not right. He really just wanted to die. The man said to the police chief, either I'm going to cut your throat or you're going to kill me, one of the two. Saying that, the man lodged at the chief with a knife, leaving him no chance but to shoot him. And the man died about four o'clock the next morning in the hospital. The next day, the news of his death went all over town and everyone was talking about it. Almost the whole town sighed in relief that that man was dead. People said many things about it, but I noticed that Brother Smith wouldn't say anything about it. They should have put the so-and-so in the electric chair. It seemed like everyone had something bad to say about him. When everyone got through talking about the man, Brother Smith said, One thing I noticed, he surely had pretty eyes. When Brother Smith said that, everyone just hushed and walked away. Brother Smith would never say one bad word against anyone. As Brother Smith talked to me that day, years later, I remember that incident. Here, Brother Smith was 90 years old and still in good health because he learned the secret of keeping his tongue from speaking evil and walking in love. You see, God didn't just look down from heaven and say, let's make an example of that man named Smith in calling country Texas and give him a long good life. No, Brother Smith had something to do with that. He had read in the Bible about keeping his tongue from evil so he could see many good days full of life. To do that, he had to walk in love by keeping his tongue and by forgiving others. Thank God for the word. If your desire is to have a long good life, then keep your tongue from evil. Depart from evil, not just speaking evil, but depart from evil in every area of your life and do good. Then not only seek peace with everyone around you, but pursue peace. Psalm 34 verse 12 to 14. What does this have to do with walking in love? It has everything to do with it. God knew we would have to forgive one another. That's why he told us to pursue peace with all people. Also, remember, this passage in Ephesians was written to the church people. Ephesians 4:32. And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also had loved us, and had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling of all. Think about it. There would be no need for God to tell us to forgive one another if there was nothing to forgive. Many times, there is plenty to forgive, isn't there? That's why God told us to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving of one another. He knew we would have many opportunities in which we would be able to exercise the God kind of love and forgive. For example, do some people's personality just seem to rub your fall the wrong way? Do some people just seem to grate on you? Well, if they do, you can't let that bother you. You just have to forgive them. Love them anyway and keep a good report. Otherwise, it will hinder your faith and can even cause you to get sick. Divine love versus human love. God's love is also unselfish. God's love thinks of others first. On the other hand, the flesh is selfish and self-centered. Human love puts itself first. Sometimes I think that some people get this love business all mixed up. When some Christians talk about love, they are thinking about natural human love. They try to compare divine love with natural human love. And you can't compare human love with divine love. We are not talking about the natural human love. We are talking about divine love. The Bible says, God is love. Well, God is divine. God is love. He is not anything so much as he is love. We hear a lot today about natural human love. But there is no love in all the world like the love of God. Natural human love is selfish and self-centered. I remember a woman came up to me in a meeting I was holding in a church. She said, crying, God knows I love my children. I brought them upright, but not one of them will come to church with me except my daughter. Her daughter played the piano at the church. She said, There isn't anyone in all this church that has loved their children as much as I have loved mine. Well, I could look at her daughter playing the piano and see that something was wrong with her. She was 24 years old. She had taken music lessons and had never been to college. But if you'd look at her, she'd duck her head to hide from you. I said to her mother, When your daughter was growing up, did you even allow her to have friends? She must be intelligent because she made good grades in college and graduated with a degree in music. I knew a little about the family from what the pastor had told me. I asked this mother, did you even permit her to have a boyfriend or a friend at school? No, her mother answered. I just kept her at home. I wanted to protect her because I love her so much. I said, you are lying. You didn't keep her at home because you loved her so much. You kept her at home because your love is selfish. I know that's not the way to win friends, but sometimes you have to jolt people to get them to see the truth. Well, I just love her too much to let her go, the mother said to me. She's never been away from home one night in her life. I said, no, you don't love her. You love her with selfish human love. If you really love your children with a God kind of love, you will want them to have friends. 
You would want them to mix with people their own age and grow up and live a normal life. Then she said, My son is 17 years old and he just ran off from home. I don't even know where he is. Pray that he would come back. I said, No, I'm going to pray that he will stay gone. Thank God he had enough sense to get up and get out of that mess. That poor girl sitting over there at the piano stool probably hasn't gotten that much sense because you've wrapped her personality. You see, here was a woman who was born again and even filled with the Spirit and attended a full gospel church. She didn't really love her children with the divine love of God. She loved them with natural human love. And that can be selfish. Believers can't say, But it is impossible for me to love with the God kind of love because the Bible says that God's love is already in our hearts in the new birth. Everyone in the family of God has it or else they haven't been born again. Now, they may not be exercising God's love, but they have it. They just have to learn to let the divine love dominate them. If they would learn to walk in love, they would walk in the spirit because love is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. If we would learn to walk in love and let the divine love dominate us, it would make all the difference in our lives. It will cure all our illnesses in our homes. I am going to say something that may shock you, but it is true. Divine love has never been to a divorce court and it never will. Natural human love will go to the divorce court, but divine love won't, and it will never fail. You see, my friends, the God kind of love is not self-seeking. Divine love is interested in what it can give, not in what it can get. It's not selfish or self-seeking. Divine love doesn't ask, what can I get? It asks, what can I give? Human love is interested in self What will I get out of this situation? Human love always says things like this. I am going to take that or I am going to have my way. After all, I got my say-so. Self-centered Christians are very easy to locate. I, 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 I. All they ever talk about is I. Too many Christians are selfish. They let natural human love dominate them instead of the love of God, which has been shed abroad in their spirits, their hearts. Natural love will divide homes and it will divide churches because it is selfish and it wants its own way. Did you ever stop to think about it? Selfishness ruins the world. Selfishness ruins marriages and it ruins the church. But the God kind of love never fails because it is unselfish. It always puts the other fellow first. God's love is giving and God's kind of love thinks of other people first, just as God did. Hello there. I trust you had a wonderful time listening. Do join me again next time as we continue on this love adventure. I pray that God's love will continue to find expression in and through you. I am Eunice. Enjoy the rest of your day.